Hello, Team NXT. Happy 2021. I hope everybody is safe. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're doing well. Since we last spoke, CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 119 of the longest-running, independently-produced NXT podcast available, that UFP show about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future Podcast. General chaos in 2021, if you're sitting here in America like I am, but I hope my international listeners are doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, doing what you can at this still a pandemic time, uh, still a pandemic and political uprest time, and I hope everybody's, uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Yes, this is a wrestling podcast going political just a little bit to start things off, but I'm independently produced, as I just mentioned, and there's nobody, nobody here to stop me and no co-host. So, I'm bummed out about what the maggots did yesterday to undermine democracy with no consequence, while my friends got trampled and tackled and stormed and shot rubber bullets at and all these other things for uh, for the equality of life. So, all right, I'm going to let that conversation weed out some of the uh, less educated listeners and just crack a little something. It's a line we'll cry. It's not what you think, folks. On that subject, though, I do want to give a shout out to the Comedians of Wrestling podcast for getting me through some turbulent times and some general chaos yesterday. I got to listen. Free my mind on uh, on Thursday while I worked from home. So check out that crew when you get a chance. And ideally, as soon as you're done listening to me, they got on Spotify. Trying to figure out a way to get on Spotify. Um, going to get into all of the NXT action surrounding the New Year's Evil event, another takeover caliber spectacle to take place on a Wednesday night. But one Wednesday night, I want to go back just, just a week and a day away. Perfect uh, transparency as usual. It is Thursday, January 7th as I record this. Uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, I, I as a fan, I... Got some personal words to uh, to say. Haven't done much of this out loud other than to some some fellow fans who actually care and just want to get the general message out there that aware um, December 30th was actually my birthday. So having such a such a great show that as Matt Cardona tweeted, it sucks that this has to happen, but. It's beautiful in the way it happens. I know that's way too many characters, and I'm paraphrasing there. But that's the first place I saw the perspective like that. And uh, just thought to share that little that little shout-out. Shout, shout to Zack Ryder for uh, WWE's internet presence in general. Uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, my favorite of the Wyatt family. Without that follower presence and that emotion, not in a mask... Bray's promos don't mean as much. You saw the acknowledgments, the absolutes, in awe with him that he was, and Luke Harper was the savior of that Randy Orton Bray Wyatt feud heading into WrestleMania. So much show that so much so that it should have been a triple threat for the title, and uh, no projections necessary. Just pure in-ring talent and. Maybe build build a new star at WrestleMania, but hindsight is twenty twenty, and sadly that disaster is also 
2020. But credit to AEW, credit to Tony Khan, credit where it is due. That show felt like a moving tribute show to the man as a father as well as the wrestler. It was a show put together for his son. And that's what you watched. That's what you were touched by. I knew this was coming. Folks, I watched NXT on my phone that week. I knew I wasn't coming back until we knew he was able to do this. Of course, this, but 100% attention on such a great event. But I know where the importance lies as a fan and when the real life kicks in. And yes, I was still able to see the curse-breaking title defense by Johnny Gargano thanks to the NXT overrun, which I'll always be thankful for the USA Network to do. Lou Carper, my favorite of the Wyatt family, standout talent as a big man. Rattling off just a few matches I watched recently, and that might give some people ideas. First one right away. As soon as I heard the news, I fired up the network, and I put on Elimination Chamber 2014, The Shield versus The Wyatt Family. My favorite match of probably The Shield's run, and that includes the Evolution matches, probably because of how invested as a fan I was in both factions. And you want to see what's going to be, you know, who's the supreme dog on the main roster coming to buttheads, three versus three enormous monster personalities. And tough as nails. And the storytelling in that where Harper sacrifices to Bray Wyatt and then becomes a sacrifice for Bray Wyatt taking the spear from Roman Reigns towards the ending of that matchup. Incredible storytelling. 10 out of 10. Don't catch me with that star stuff. Absolutely perfect match in my opinion, even though I went into that first time around watching it. Wanting the Shield to win, obviously, just see the title of this of this podcast. And uh, relevant merch, redesign, rebuild, reclaim. Seth Rollins' T on, uh, on to do this recording. Redesign, rebuild, reclaim seemed like the perfect slogan for a new year. And, uh, yeah, not going to sit on that too much longer. Uh, rest in peace, John Huber, Luke Harper, Brody Lee. His child should be a big deal. He's already one of my guys. The fact that the wrestling community has come together and that so many talents reaching out and I'm not going to throw a political spin on it, but I guess for lack of a better analogy, reaching across the aisle and being like, hell yes, I am watching this tribute show. This was one of the most important guys in the locker room to these people. You're going to spread the word about the show no matter what. So it was just nice to see that moment of harmony in the professional wrestling landscape. And of course, because Twitter is Twitter, it lasted all but uh, maybe 48 hours after the fact. Anyway, back to NXT. Back to NXT. Going to try and try and steer away from the sad stuff and the mad stuff and drift into some more interesting conversation of the event taking place on January 6th. 2021, the first ever NXT New Year's Evil. Brody Lee and the General Chaos, getting that out of the way. We're shifting gears. It's on to the important stuff. Dexter Loomis. If we could just shift into these interesting, crazy-eyed superstars, one to uh, one to another in this case. 
Dexter Loomis being the host of this event, letting the caricatures do the talking for him when it comes to the match card, and even putting together part of the of the match card, and I'll definitely jump onto that a little bit later on. Uh, that's just a little bit way away. Loomis would also control the lighting and the sound of the CWC, bumping a jam, which I was a little bit tone deaf to, like, actually musically, not, like, society-wise. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought I caught something that sounded like a hint of Mr. J.D. Williams. I don't know, could just could have just been me wanting hearing what I wanted to hear, but whatever it was, it bumped DJ Loomis on the uh, on the ones and twos, and we started things off on fire. Literally fire. Damian Priest making his entrance. The entrance hype for both of these gentlemen, starting off a commercial free matchup, and bravo, because you know what, folks, Team NXT for the first time I think I heard commercial free. And it was commercial-free, commercial-free. Not in air quotes, commercial-free and, uh, you know, picture-in-picture. Picture. Priest versus Cross, excellent match. Great stuff. Priest is a star. Cross's star is continuing to rise, carrying Cross, coming back from injury, looking to be a two-time NXT champion with a one reign that will mean something. And either way... The way he will win the championship is, uh, whether, it's, whether it's Finn Bauer or somebody else, I think it's going to be a little bit of a rough landing for, for whoever's opponent is going to be based on the series of suplexes and the newly instituted striking finisher Karrion Cross brought into this one. But back to Damian Priest. Going to speak a lot to Damian Priest's future at the end of this matchup. The confidence of Damian Priest throughout this matchup was most important. The presentation matters. He already looks like a guy that could be a star based on gear and attitude. The presentation is now correct. Not just on the outside, not just with the sweet dodges that he's driving around. By the way, this, before I get a little bit sidetracked, if, if I have this correct and my auto files out there can, uh, not audio, Auto, A-U-T-O, can back me up on this. I believe that Karrion Cross is the driver of a Dodge Challenger, and through the Leon Ruff storyline, Damien Priest offered the keys to a Dodge Charger to Mr. Leon Ruff to attempt his getaway from Johnny Gargano. Somebody get back to me on that at podcast underscore UF, I could definitely go back on the network and watch for myself, but I'm a working man and I would appreciate the interaction and uh, please follow and tell your friends about the show. Your new favorite NXT podcast if you didn't have one already. Back to these two big bulls locking horns, not breaking even to the outside. Love when this happens. Love a good old test of strength through this fashion. Just the muscle in, I'm not giving in, I'm not breaking, I'm going to topple you over if it's the last damn thing I do. And nobody toppled over, but they did topple to the outside. Love that image of the big bulls locking horns as literal as you can get within the confines of professional wrestling. Damian Priest did have the correct strategy in this matchup. He played mind games. 
something that no other opponent has been able to do. Yes, I'm including Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa, I think, was a little bit too taken aback and surprised, and nobody knew what to expect. This was the first presence of this apocalyptic figure in NXT. Damian Priest coming across. He's a little bit more seasoned. A lot of eyes on that NXT championship match against Keith Lee. Man knew what to expect a little bit. Could take that mental edge that no other opponent was able to do with the line, I'm still standing. Granted, not for long after a few times saying that, but it was there. It had that effect. Cross did get careless at times, and Priest was able to take advantage from that psychological battle. Thoroughly enjoyed that nice piece of storytelling. Priest also needed to keep Cross at a distance. This is where the martial arts perspective of mine comes into play. Priest, long limbs, long appendages. I mean arms and legs, people, just the two of them. Kicks, punches, strikes, very important. Elbows executed when need be. Priest, arguably, the faster of the two opponents. On the flip side of the striking, the background in grappling and the submission game, all of that goes into carrying Cross's corner. All in, push all the dice, push all the dice, push all the chips to that side of the table. I'm swiping away any Yahoo breaking news I get. Nope, just not happening. Will not be me. This is my mental break to talk to Team NXT about a great opening matchup. Cross's advantage did come in the grappling and the submission game. But the fact that it didn't come into play on this finish, I thought was very, very interesting. Carrying Cross able to finish things off with a strike finisher, dare I say, a Cassius Ono, Chris Hero looking inspired elbow to the back of the neck finisher for Karrion Cross's first win back on NXT and first, well, first win of 2020 back on NXT. Yeah, don't need any, don't need any more angry press from that. Uh, Cross, like I said, nailed the finish. Few of my favorite high spots in this matchup, run through these. A little bit quickly, I mentioned how Priest was playing with Cross, something nobody has been able to do in NXT thus far. It was the toughest match for Cross to date, mentally and physically. Cross ran through Tommaso Ciampa, has toppled over other opponents in NXT. This went the distance for a carrying Cross match. The fact that Priest was able to say, I'm still standing for so long before being thrown thrown for a, uh, for a loop and knocked the hell out. Priest with an excellent razor's edge in this one. The South of Heaven executed all the big hits, all the classics, all of the punishment. Some of you are going to see what I did out there. That we're familiar with. Coming from Damian Priest, beautiful. Another good piece of storytelling in this matchup, and what I'm also going to classify in the high spots for carrying Cross in this one, is Cross using 
the post on the outside surrounding commentary, new accessory that people are deciding to have fun with, addition to the CWC, and the use of the steel steps on the previously injured ribs of Damian Priest. I didn't cover it because I took that holiday hiatus, but the past assault by Cross on Priest targeting the ribs. It did come down to a softened neck that happened through the matchup, but the fact that those ribs came into such play, and that's where Cross was able to execute even more punishment that we were able to flash back to, high point for Cross in what I otherwise find his matches to be a little bit oddly paced in a strange sort of monster chemistry with his opponent's kind of way. Not in the classic big man monsters, but there's something about Cross's pace in a match that I've noticed doesn't resonate with a lot of NXT fans, and I'm kind of seeing that perspective, and I've seen it in past matchups, but this is without a doubt my favorite carrying Cross match that I have seen. Do not know much about Killer Cross. Throw something at me at podcast underscore UF. Willing to watch anything that's possible. Otherwise, yeah, not much more. Where do, where do you transition from saying that it's, it's your favorite match from that guy? Let's talk about the other one. Let's talk about the future for Damian Priest. Damian Priest going to SmackDown. Why SmackDown? Why not Raw? Why not just generally say main roster? Why not be fearful that he's going to be treated poorly like most NXT call-ups to said main roster. Eventually, people from NXT is all the main roster is going to have. I know, I'm saying that fact after Raw just had a freaking Legends night where Goldberg showed up to confront Drew McIntyre. Dan, what are you smoking? I'm smoking Chemdog, but not right now. The creative juices do flow, maybe a little bit later. Damien Priest to SmackDown. Because the casual viewer flipping through their network TV, Damien Priest has that look in professional wrestling where if somebody flips through the channel at just the right point in time, they're going to stop and ask, who the hell is that guy? Because he just has that, he has that rock star look to him. I get the Archer of Infamy nickname in the way that I've spun it for myself. And that is that this man has the confidence that he can walk into any room he wants, place his bullseye, whether it be the next song on the jukebox, the girl he wants to go home with, the push to the front of the bar so that he can get his drink first, the next winning shot in the game of billiards. Yeah, I'm really putting Damian Priest hanging out in a pool hole, aren't I? Oh, he seems like that kind of guy, right? I know, long hair, sunglasses inside, just kind of takes him off before he, you know, breaks breaks the uh, the initial the initial rack. You know, I could see Damian Priest being that guy. You're flipping through your TV. You see that guy. He's calling his damn shot. He's shooting a fictional arrow at the Titan Tron, and fire shows up. That's something that might get your thumbs from stop moving. 
that might that might be enough to to make somebody put the remote down and see what this guy's going to do in between the ropes. And that's where he's going to hook you even more because of the aforementioned strikes he's able to do. The excellent razor's edge when incorporated quick correctly. I think that once the main roster Damian Priest debuts, I'm honestly hoping that South of Heaven becomes his finisher. If for nothing else, and yes, I'm going to throw the Vince McMahon perspective in this one, and this would not be something I personally agree with. My reason for the thing is I think the reckoning is just a bad move. That's been done by a lot of people. The Vince McMahon perspective that I'm going to spit out at you is, well, Cody does that move, damn it. We can't have one of our next rising stars do that same thing. This is a terrible Vince McMahon impression, by the way. Let me, uh, hold on. Damn it, that other black and gold brand that I don't own is doing that. The uh, Dusty's kid. No, change it. Chokeslam finisher for Damian Priest. So, I think that's where some light can go off and he can be ending things with a beautiful sit-out chokeslam that makes the dude bounce off the canvas when he lands. I think that's a believable finisher than a twisting neckbreaker that... By the way, another second, not competitors, in quotes, especially in quotes after the Brody Lee introspective that I just shared earlier. We don't need another move that's similar to Elias's drift away finisher. We don't need a guy who looks similar to Elias in Jackson Riker, spitting out his bullshit and still having a job, but drifting away from that, drift, literally drifting away from that. Damian Priest... Rockstar on SmackDown. Could you imagine Damian Priest versus Roman Reigns? Just just absorb that for a minute. That's a battle of two long-haired badasses, one Samoan, one proudly Puerto Rican, and a New Yorker. That's a match I want to see. Damian Priest has that aura about him. I believe it. I think that he'll be treated correctly on the main roster. What is this? Episode 119, about 23 minutes in, just making a mental note. For myself, if I need to go back and, and listen to uh, to kick what'll be past me uh, in the head. Moving forward, moving forward, I think Damian Priest is in good hands. I think that the rest of the NXT roster, the rest of the NXT roster, needs to watch their back for the apocalypse. Because Karrion Cross is back and he's looking for that NXT Championship. NXT Championship, I'll get back to a little bit later. Let's jump into an NXT tradition. My favorite NXT tradition. My initial favorite NXT tradition brought to NXT TV and eventually a takeover. The Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup. Now... I already did a subpar Vince McMahon impression before. I'm not going to attempt a Dusty Rhodes one this week. Maybe, yeah, they're uh, they're flying they're flying copters overhead, just just looking for me. I hope that that didn't pick up in the background. Apologies, uh, apologies if it did. I'm doing okay. In the opening round of the Dusty Classic Cup, it will be the Undisputed Era taking on Breezango as well as the grizzled young veterans taking on Everrise. 
Grizzled Young Veterans having the most wins in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic last year. Will Everrise be able to rise over that record? My, my, my guess is no, but my rooting is always for Everrise. I think those dudes are due for a big win, and what bigger win could possibly happen than in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup? Undisputed Era versus Brizango. I do thoroughly enjoy that Roddy and Adam Cole gave Brizango props and credit where it is due. Presenting them with a bit more serious side to sidetrack away from just the goofy entrances and presentation. I like this promo. Cannot wait for the Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup. That's the opening round for the men's tournament. Yes, this year... Get to specify the men's and women's tournaments. There's so much talent in this NXT women's division. We finally get to see it shown off. It's a Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament women's brackets. There's something I promised on Twitter that I would address in relation to this this tournament. And I want to make sure I'm not paraphrasing this. So I will be pulling it up. And such a thing came from a favorite co-host on this show of mine, who I'm 99.9% sure is listening, Mr. Peyton Westner at PC Westner. Shout out to him, especially if he got any of you listening right now. What dream teams do you want to see in the inaugural Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup? Well, since he asked, I want Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro to enter, win the whole damn thing, and establish themselves as the tag team in the NXT Women's Division. And then eventually, to be the team to win those women's tag team titles for NXT. But these are hard times, and I've seen the Dusty Classic Cups before. So, picking two big-name single stars right out of a hat to put on a team and to win the Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup. I am choosing. And before I announce these two, it's actually funny because I think the presentation, I think these two would actually mesh well together despite being two big-time single stars portrayed in NXT right now. I'm going with somebody who's announced their interest in entering the tournament and not having a partner, returning to NXT recently on a motorcycle, driving however many miles, incorporating her own laws, Ember Moon. Ember Moon teaming with my favorite in the division, possibly in all of women's wrestling right now, the ballsy badass, the one taking stage dives Head first this week on NXT, which I can't wait to talk about that mixed tag match later. Miss Shotzi Blackheart. I think this team will tank care of business if they are put together and bulldoze through the tournament as those two big name single stars that came together and won the whole dang thing. That's where I think it pieces together. Pick for actual team. In the women's brackets, it's going to be Casey and Caden, the two big single stars. Got a root for Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. 
Now, taking care of the Dusty Classic Cup for now. Cannot wait to cover this in the upcoming weeks. This About this time of year is where my episodes will sometimes culminate together and I'll do brackets by brackets, but I'm going to try and be a little bit more organized this year and uh, actually have my episodes out on a weekly-to-weekly basis. Let's also make a mental note of that. Oh, 29 minutes in. Perfect. I could listen to just before that and shame myself on uh, on trying to deliver. But anyway, moving forward. Santos Escobar, Legado del Fantasma, the finally dressed Fantasma Cartel, our cruiserweight champion defending against one part of the Lucha House Party. Is it one half now? Or is it still one third? I know it's Grand Metalik and Alince Dorado. I don't know if the Golden Links didn't go anywhere. I thought that might have been a little tension and dissension with Kalisto, and Kalisto possibly being drafted apart from these guys. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but Grand Metalik, one part. Take fractions out of the whole dang thing. I never like math anyway. One part of Lucha House Party, Grand Metalik, or as my autocorrect in my notes decided to say, Grant Metalink for the Cruiserweight Championship. I like the storytelling in this one also because it's easy. It was easy to tell in the in the box, in the perspective, in the in the lens. Yes, in the creative lens that Legado del Fantasma is being presented as because this one swiped away literally at Lucha Tradition. Grand Metalik took a lot of high risks, did a lot of the showy work in the ropes as the king of ropes, as the king of the ropes does. Let me put those those declarative declarative nouns in there. The king of the ropes, Grand Metalik taking a huge dive, reminding us why he was part of the Cruiserweight Classic Finals against that guy that nobody pays attention to on social media anymore because he's a fucking moron. Both of them, both of his wrestling personalities in Impact Wrestling are fucking morons. Drifting away from that, Grand Metalik. Impressive, impressive matchup. Loved it. Santos, keeping true. Swiping away at all the fanfare surrounding Lucha Libre. Able to really dissect his opponent, his way. Granted, doing it in some impressive fashion. Santos is incredible in in the ring. He's a reigning champion for a reason. He's the real cruiserweight champion. But swiping away at the mask. Santos would show Metalik that Metalik cares more for his mask and this tradition than in winning matches. And if Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma are in the process of telling us what is wrong with Lucha Libre, I think that could be a pretty bold statement right there. Metalik was too focused on his mask, not focused on the championship, I was able to take advantage. I hit the Phantasma driver for the W, which, by the way, I don't know if he was supposed to hit something that looked like a fairy tale ending there, or if that actually was just a really powerful transition. But it was a nice looking 
finisher. I love the Phantasma Driver. Very similar to, uh, similar if not the uh, the exact same thing as Grand Metal League's finisher, if I remember correctly. This is something, again, I want you to reach out and correct me on. It's been a little bit of a, uh, it's been a little bit of time since I've seen the Metal League Driver for the win, which I could swear was more of a Minchinoku Driver looking maneuver, and the Phantasma Driver starts from the Death Valley Driver attitude adjustment position and plants in that very similar brain buster hooking the leg position. Uh, yeah, get back to me on the specificity on that finisher at podcast underscore UF. The exact match that you would want for the Cruiserweight title happening here, though, folks. I loved it. Two talents. Impressive stuff by Grand Metalik. But Phantasma has this division on lockdown. Big time 2020s pun there with lockdown. I understand. But it's true. He's got it under control. Santos Escobar has that Cruiserweight Championship under control like New Zealand actually has COVID under control. Shout out to New Zealand. Anyway, drifting away from the sad stuff again. It's really occupying my mind lately. Something else that's torturous. Zia Lee. And what Zia Lee and Boa have been going through at the hands of this somewhat masked, let's call it veiled, the veiled villain that seems to be honestly improving, improving Zia Lee, building her and building Boa into these human weapons. And I'm going to get into Zia Lee. Zioli's going to get the main event spotlight of this segment. Trust me, it's where it's due. I saw the dang matchup. But Boa's grand scheme in NXT up until this wasn't for much. He was like smiling and walking around the performance center, I think. Boa's built like a martial arts man in black. Looking like the Hornet. If we're being really, really honest here and not trying to culturally appropriate anybody, I'm well aware of the differences. But a good look for Boa. I cannot wait to see what yet another person involved in that NXT breakout tournament is able to do. We're seeing great things, I think, with almost every other competitor And that includes ACH out on the independent scene. But now Bo is finally getting the chance to step up and kind of get that spotlight that we've seen a Cameron Grimes get. Dexter Loomis, who hosted this whole freaking event, is getting. That Bronson Reed, able to get his word out on on display there and going to get to this point a little bit later on in my notes, but huge year predicted for Bronson Reed. I think that Boa is is and has been headed in that right direction based on his character skills, based on his in-ring skills. Excuse me. Now we're getting those character skills based on a simple principle. And it's the principle of a show that a lot of people love right now and a movie that I have loved since I started taking karate at the age of 10. And that is weed out the weak, no mercy. Cobra Kai style. 
This veiled villain has built this sick and sadistic dojo that has formed these two people's weapon bodies into weapons. And this could not have been more perfectly displayed than in the match Zaylee got. After all the torture and the training, she would put her hands and feet and all of these strikes to deadly use nearly against poor old Catalina, which nice to see Catalina. Nice to see that uh the female luchador side of side of things represented. Could we see a fourth member of Legado del Fantasma if we're not gonna get a woman member of uh of Undisputed Era anytime soon? That was nowhere in my notes, by the way. This is why you listen to the show for one man's spontaneity of ideas while discussing NXT. Zaylee, great match. As a martial artist, I appreciated it. That spinning tornado kick to the jaw, I thought this was the best Zaylee has looked in the ring, and I cannot wait to see as it furthers her as a more serious competitor in this already talented division. I think that the focus is going to stay on her more as a solo competitor. I'm not certain that she'll be featured in the the Dusty Classic anytime, any, anywhere in the brackets. Of course, by the time you listen to this, this could have all definitely changed. I fully acknowledge that point. There's a lot of talent and moving parts in the best division in professional wrestling. Speaking of that best division in professional wrestling. Raquel Gonzalez, Rhea Ripley, last woman standing on NXT. Have not seen this on NXT. On NXT, I was at Evolution. I saw Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair on NXT since... Oh my God. I didn't understand that. Oh my God. What are you picking up, Google? Why is Google... All right. I don't know if you're so dang used to me shouting NXT that you're starting to pick it up as a cue for you to speak up. It's not strange to talk to your phones, folks. They listen to everything you do. Where was I going? Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch happens on Evolution, main roster. Asuka versus Nikki Cross, first ever last woman standing match. Incredible. Go back and watch that one. I did. I did before New Year's Evil. Incredible moment with that announced table. This, however, portrayed under different circumstances. Asuka and Nikki Cross. Not the sizable competitors that Raquel and Rhea are. This match had the Haas fight feel that myself and hopefully listeners of this show thoroughly enjoy, and it was a welcome change of pace to see that in the women's division. In the already talented best in pro wrestling, let me repeat that, division. The tables, the handcuffs, Raquel ripping the handcuffs from the wall. Raquel has more muscles in her back than I do in my entire body, Kevin Owens cannot do that stuff. Kevin Owens ain't using part of a part of a cage as a weapon. Raquel Gonzalez sure as hell is, and Rhea Ripley would pay the price 
for this creativity by Rhea Ripley, by Raquel Gonzalez. I know, but folks, we talk about this in a kayfabe sense. Looking at this through, suspend your disbelief. It's pro wrestling. Lighten up. Nasty table break by Rhea Ripley. Diving off the top of that. Do I call it a scaffold? Section of the area? Not quite as high as a scaffold. I don't know. Rhea Ripley got some height. She got some flips. It was badass. It looked it looked thoroughly good. Thought that was going to be the winning moment. Until one Dakota Kai, the Shawn Michaels to Raquel Gonzalez's Diesel, would make her presence somewhat felt. I mean, I, I feel like Dakota Kai is feeling a lot more this morning than Rhea Ripley felt by her presence in this matchup. Kai would assist Gonzalez after Raquel would take that table dive. And uh, Kai would pay for that involvement, getting shoved into a locker. Rhea Ripley incorporating not corporal punishment, but high school punishment in, uh, in these sort of circumstances. Luckily for myself, I did train karate and did not suffer any of these things, despite being of a uh, of punitive size in an all guys uh, all guys school. Before you feel too sorry for me, we did have three sister schools. Where was I going? Dakota Kai paying for involvement in the matchup. Duh. Still in there? Last I checked on Twitter, she was still in there. Anyway, all over the arena. Folks, I thought this was going to drift out into the full-sale parking lots and just expose the danger even further. It broke through a glass door. Looked really nice. Not quite the same as ending up in the parking lot and seeing what dangers could possibly be exposed to these two daring competitors. I've heard about the, I think the Velveteen Dog is on his way. He's a big fan of, big fan of NXT Women's Wrestling as well. He's got good taste, just like a... Just like his dad. Great spots for Rhea Ripley in this matchup. I mean, based on the ending of this, her swan song for NXT. Oh, you're thirsty, pal. That's why you're coming to hang out. Okay, I'll uh, you know, I'll 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 just kind of sit here and stand by. I'm gonna buy a little bit of time as NXT Team NXT here listens to your slobber and your hydration. Actually, uh, if we're taking water breaks. This entire episode is Stream of Consciousness, by the way, folks. If you've been hanging with me 43, almost 44 minutes in so far, thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot. It means so much that you would take consideration to start your January, your 2021. If by the chance you're listening to this and it's already been sitting in the archives and you just got into the podcast this year, I'm thanking you from this far back in the past as well for being a part of Team NXT. Or is the dog done drinking? Yeah? You done? You done? You want to come here? I'll give you pets. I'll give you pets as we talk about the ending of this matchup. Then I'm going to incorporate a little bit of a fast-forward sound, and I'm going to go eat a slice of pizza before we start talking about the Gargano and the Way celebration, the, uh, the ending of the curse. But before I get into less impressive matters, the standing leg lock by Rhea Ripley, I don't know... If she has a name for this yet, the brutality lock, 
Just give it something simple, something to character, if it doesn't already have a name. Let it be named even after like a subtle nod to a badass song of a band that you could see Rhea Ripley listening to. I kind of, uh, I like when the wrestling scheme kind of can borrow from other aspects of pop culture and entertainment and make it make sense. I think naming submissions can, uh, can fall under that category. Raquel Gonzalez would counter all of this, all of this effort by Rhea Ripley. Not without a little bit of help, but the help was minuscule in the grand scheme of how Raquel Gonzalez was able to walk away from this matchup. Yes, Dakota Kai found herself involved, but by this point in the matchup, not relevant. This was a star-making moment for Raquel Gonzalez. The Texas tough woman would hit a huge powerbomb through the stage on Rhea Ripley. Gonzalez would survive the count and would be the last woman standing. Pretty sure Dakota Kai still in that locker. I think they dug out Rhea Ripley. I think Rhea Ripley is... uh, had to be found out. She had to be found because she's on her way to, to another program as well. And yes, I was so bold with my claim of Damien Priest to SmackDown. Will I be so bold as to claim a show for Rhea Ripley? Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely will. Which one is that going to be? Stream of Consciousness and Sips of LaCroix. Rhea Ripley to Raw. Rhea Ripley to Raw, number one, you've been listening to the show enough. You know my love for alliteration. Rhea Ripley Raw would look good on a t-shirt as well. Well, maybe not for some of you perverts out there. Number two, Charlotte Flair. Yes, the catalyst for everything involved in women's wrestling on the main roster. It would seem Charlotte Flair, Team NXT. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, the match of WrestleMania evening. Should WrestleMania and WWE as a whole be so bold as to present WrestleMania to us this year with even a fraction of a live audience? This match deserves that rematch. Rhea Ripley goes not just to Raw, I say with such confidence. But let's fantasy book a little further, folks. This is part of the reason why you listen to podcasts. Rhea Ripley is not on television. Not on television from now until the Royal Rumble match. But why? But why, Dan? Don't you want to see such a huge star in the NXT Women's Division get a fair send-off like past great champions have, like Asuka? 100%. So then why are you... Why is because... Let's take an old school approach to this. The last time we see Rhea Ripley on television before the Royal Rumble match, she's getting powerbombed through the stage. Why that's important? It's important for Raquel Gonzalez's career... 
to have put somebody who has that high stature in NXT out for so long. As of recording this podcast, the Royal Rumble takes place on January 31st, 24 days from now. Raquel puts Rhea out of action for three plus weeks. Does a lot to show the intimidation and the believability of Raquel Gonzalez as a badass hoss in the women's division now, doesn't it? Why would that be even more impressive? Rhea Ripley comes back from this last woman standing matchup in the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble. How does that lead to a match with Charlotte Flair as the WWE main roster landscape exists right now? Asuka knee Obis exists. Obis is the martial arts term for belt. Knee is two in Japanese counting. I'm 95% sure in the confidence of that statement that Asuka knee Obis would be an exceptional connotation for Asuka two belts. As it sits, Asuka two belts. I mentioned a gripe earlier this evening. I mentioned the gripe I have with Goldberg showing up and confronting Drew McIntyre. I'm not an idiot, and this is this is my pessimism speaking, but also the fact that just watching WWE will tell you this, that Goldberg is going to beat Drew McIntyre. And Goldberg holds the title going into WrestleMania because, God forbid, a full-time superstar who worked his ass off and had the year of his career, despite a crowd being not being there physically. I'm, I'm rambling. I'm rambling about Goldberg on an NXT podcast, folks. I am sorry. Where am I going with this point? WWE will do title changes they deem necessary, and they, I mean that one crazy old man sitting at the top, the chairman of the board who I previously did, if you've stuck around this long in the show, a bad impression of. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Vince will do whatever title changes are necessary to to paint the picture-perfect WrestleMania card that he has in mind. If it's not going to be a triple threat match between three of my non-Shotzi Blackheart favorites in women's wrestling to watch go in the in between the ropes of Asuka versus Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania, give us, as a whole, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley in the rematch where the roles were reversed and now Rhea Ripley is calling her shot on the main roster, challenging Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship, just like how Charlotte Flair declared herself the contender for the NXT Women's Championship last year at WrestleMania, giving us another great first time ever in the history of NXT, and winning the title. Let's flip, let's flip that script. Rhea Ripley wins the Raw Women's Championship from Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania in front of a returning, if even partially filled crowd. My hopes are for just partially filled crowd, but there's Florida. I don't have a perspective in their state's laws. I have no comment. 
but in front of some damn people. Rhea Ripley winning the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania from the grasp of either Charlotte Flair or Asuka is an instant star-making moment. That's my hopes and dreams for Rhea Ripley's call-up. That's my optimism speaking about Damian Priest going to the main roster. This this is all probably going to sound crazy in uh, in about three months, uh, isn't it? I don't know. There might be some some just impatience, but like a ninety day rule, you could kind of get a perspective on how NXT talent can be can be perceived on the main roster. No. Keith Lee's doing well for himself. That's baby steps. Baby steps. Got hopes for the limitless one. Major shout out to that WWE Championship match that happened on the first Raw of uh, of this year. Moving on. Johnny Gargano and The Way. Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Indie Wrestling, Indie Hartwell, and Austin, Austin Theory, and folks, the curse is over. The curse is over, but a new curse might possibly begin. Austin Theory might not be able to have children after this, folks, and a lot of people out there laughing at the possible justice that that statement might represent. No comments on uh, on those features uh, features either. Discussion topic over. Gargano in the way. Shotzi Blackheart with something to say. Tanking care of business with a rocket to the groin of one Austin Theory. I don't really want to talk about the segment itself. I just kind of, kind of, kind of want to get in the matchup. Heel Gargano, it's it's so up and down with me. I like Candice is so much more believable. I think it's it's the facial expressions. I really do. I think it's the facial expressions. I know Johnny Gargano had the meme career that so few people. I, I think I think that. What Johnny Gargano's still frames and JPEGs were, were what Keith Lee in the GIFs form could have... Comparable. No? Maybe? I think so. But why is it... Why is Candace more... Candace is more believable as an evil heel that knows what the hell she's doing... And that she's pulling the strings behind her less intelligent husband's antics and and victories. That's fine. It's great if it's presented that way. I think Candace is the most talented person in the way. So then it should be presented in this fashion. Okay, Johnny, I got you that championship. We've got all of this fanfare and blah, 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 everything's moving now. This is where Candace starts to look out for herself. And she finally, third time's the charm, fourth, fifth, whatever time it's going to take by the time this 
this championship victory happens, I'm not even so sure that Raquel Gonzalez isn't going to be the one that takes it off Io Shirai. But for the sake of argument and discussion here, folks, Candice LeRae putting all her efforts behind her goofy, comedic heel husband winning the championship while she is the evil mastermind heel. So much better presented. She's got Johnny happy and Johnny defended a championship. Mission, mission, accompl- mission accomplished there. I have spoken. If we're throwing even more Mandalorian references against the wall to see what sticks. Johnny Gargano should not be presented as the leader of the way. This should be Candace's group. If it's going to work in a more serious heel sort of fashion as opposed to what just for just for the sake of just for the sake of recent heel banger stables that we've been presented in NXT, it, it pales in comparison to these four icons, but the undisputed era and what they started out with. Undispu- the undisputed era pursuing the prophecy is the kind of serious heel faction build the way should aspire toward being. Very tall order. It's a glass that not a lot of talents are able to fill. But I think if Candace of the people of the four are able to steer the most into that skid on the mic, I think there's something there. I think her being represented as the masterminds makes way more sense if we're presenting the way in a serious fashion. Indy Hartwell as her person on the left, while Gargano proudly as her husband stands there at her right hand, Austin Theory, the muscle-headed goof somewhere in the background, the looks and the muscles simultaneously, I guess, if objectively speaking, between the two male talents of the faction? That's how I'd book the way. That's how I want to see this thing being built towards. If you've been listening to the show before, you know how it's been troubling for me as a Johnny Gargano fan to really wrap my head around this heel turn and just this whole heel picture that he'd been presented as. If we're going all in, the Johnny Gargano way should be a mindset. I didn't expect it to take form into a faction. But if it's going to take this shape, I hope it takes the shape the correct way. Gargano and Candice LeRae would find themselves in mixed tag team action on New Year's Evil on January 6th against Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart. Kushida dealing out punishment to Velveteen to the VD. Almost bungled that first episode back from 2021, folks. Refuse to say that name on the show. Kushida would take care of business against the VD, as well as now, Austin Theory. If you believe in what you read, credible stories out there, you're sensing a pattern. And you know where I went with that. Now let's go to actually in the ring. Great match. Great match. It's exactly what I'd expect. Mixed tag team. Really, actually, before before I drift into too much of uh, of what actually took place and the, the great 
innovative roll-up that ended this one. The illustration for this matchup. I think uh, I think Shotzi, maybe even Kushida, or Shotzi, maybe speaking on behalf of Kushida, just just as kind of a uh, a translator of sorts, or sort of a hey, we ran into each other in the locker room. We're sick of these people. Can you get to work on this? And this just so happened to be a uh, an illustration of sorts. If that timing, this is backstage and totally in kayfabe and my own mental kayfabe. If that such a thing were to happen behind the curtain at the beginning of this way, if this happened at the point where Johnny Gargano mentioned Baker Mayfield and Shotzi was just walking, okay, I'm I'm strapping on the helmet, I'm I'm taking I'm taking the tank, I'm shooting Austin Theory, I'm shooting whoever whoever from that group steps up to me, and we're just doing this dang thing. I think if it started there, I think Loomis might have had a might have had time to do it. But if it started at the beginning of the attack, then I'm uh, I'm absolutely blown away because my cousin does uh, does caricatures himself. Shout out to Drew's Cartoons, D R E W apostrophe Z Cartoons on Facebook. They have a much more uh, active Facebook platform than I do. Check them out. Booking parties and events in the tri-state area, anything within driving distance, and mask friendly. That was a quick plug for you, cuz you uh, might want to get me back on that illustration for uh, for that. Speaking of graphic projects, yours truly might have in the works. In between the ropes, Shotzi Blackheart's beautiful, incredibly reckless dive. The ballsy badass could not be more personified than what the heck she did. I'm worried about Big E whenever he does his dive to an opponent standing on the apron. Just because that large man is just going to you know, I, I fear him landing on his neck. I was absolutely worried the fact that Shotzi did land on her neck. Incredible possibility of a uh, of a concussion afterwards. But she's diving out of the ring like she's diving in the ball pit. Perfectly within character. You just kind of expected her going back onto opponent's senton style. From the top rope. Not running head first. Great teamwork by Kushida, by the way, holding that open. Also a, a gentleman, making sure that a lady is able to execute a dive without catching a foot on a rope. What felt like 90 miles an hour watching it. Incredible frame rates, like 120 frames per second. 90 miles per hour, 120 frames per second, as fast as the human eye can possibly percept something. That's what I felt like I was watching Shotzi Blackheart diving through that rope. And that's the high spot of this one, on the woman's side of the action. How Kushida won this matchup, what a roll up, grasping the cradle and just that little bit of execution, hooking the arms, the feet, Kushida doing whatever it takes, locking his opponent down, if we're throwing lockdown analogies back into the discussion. Shoulders down, one, two, three. Kushida making making a great argument for, yeah, you were able to defend that title once. I just pinned you. Johnny Gargano versus Kushida for the North American Championship. Next takeover, please give me that. And uh, why not? 
Why not drift into that? That's perfect timing for it anyway. Next takeover matchup I want to see featured there is... I know I was supposed to take a break in this episode, but stream of consciousness, folks. I'm, uh... I promise. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little hungry, and I don't want to do the... Uh, I don't want to cover our incredible main event and, uh, and other discussion topic in the women's action. We're already over an hour on an empty stomach. So, uh... Kushida versus Gargano. Give it to me at the next takeover. Happening on February 14th on the Hallmark holiday of Valentine's Day. The thing I love reminding me that at this point in time recording the episode that I'm not exactly in a relationship. I'm a single man right now. How the heck are people getting in relationships in 2020 and during a pandemic? I have not been able to figure out. If I could just express some more personal gripe on my episode, on this episode, on my episode, having an episode during this episode, NXT TakeOver would have probably, oof, if we don't get it, we should, I know it's sticking to the Capital Wrestling Center. I think we'll get another TakeOver WrestleMania weekend, and I think that should be NXT TakeOver Thunderdome or whatever they do for attendance. But NXT TakeOver St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Why? Why hasn't that been announced yet? It's sitting right there in front of you. The copyright is WWE slash Fs. It goes back a little while for a wrestling event. Name the dang thing. Massacre right now, I could see the argument for that not being featured in the title. If you've listened to the show before, you know that speaking from the heel and the baby face and the both sides of the mouth, it happens when you do a solo show. Not comparing myself to Bill Burr? A little bit. NXT TakeOver, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, NXT TakeOver, 32, whatever you're calling it, February 14th. Let's see who steps up to challenge the Prince next after this incredible clinic with Kyle O'Reilly. And let's throw Kushida versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. Let's throw those stakes right on the grill. Okay, all, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for your two-minute, two-second interval uh of patience there. For those of you wondering what that recording sound is, I'm lucky enough to be one of those people who lived through the era of VCRs. So I found a VCR fast forwarding recording sound drop and, uh, and there we are. Anyway, main event time could not discuss this one on an empty stomach in case anybody was curious about what that timeout was regarding. Aside from the main event Segments. I consider these both main event segments because Mercedes Martinez returning to NXT's talented women's division is part one. Avoiding retribution is a main event achievement in itself. So congratulations to Mercedes, and let's see if let's see if the reset button on the Robert Stone brand really gets pulled together or uh, or not. I think it's a hard reset on Mercedes Martinez's NXT career, and I think she's getting thrown in that. Uh, in that monster spotlight with the Raquels and the Rias, well, Rhea for now, and up against Io Shirai. And let's see where uh, where Mercedes' career can continue from here. Just thankful it's not continuing up on Monday Night Raw. 
Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor, NXT Championship, NXT 31, rematch of the Instant Classic, where Finn Balor broke his jaw, Kyle O'Reilly suffered more liver problems than a lifelong alcoholic, and the back-and-forth brutality and storytelling would continue from here. Flip the script. Kyle O'Reilly's getting some jaw damage in this one, folks. After a creative use of his mouth to get the rope break, Finn Balor just kicking the ropes without a doubt chipping a tooth on this one, causing some uh, causing some some reason for stoppage and enough for, uh, for a doctor to run over. And Kyle O'Reilly being the tough Irishman in his own right. Uh, just chews that help away and continues his matchup. It was back and forth. It was just as physical as takeover. Nothing was left on the table. Nothing in the realm of the sequel couldn't deliver. Great match. Loved it. One of those main events, don't have much notes for. I put the phone down. You watch the main event. You absorb. You write down what you could freaking remember <laughs> not a oof, merciless attack by Finn Bauer on Kyle O'Reilly's jaw so she was on the other foot flipped the script however we're phrasing it this week the uh the physical value delivered just much don't really know if it was upped I'd, I'd say that's that's debatable that's a uh a debatable point Kyle O'Reilly proving himself as a main event single star. That's the takeaway. It's the same takeaway as the last match. Just going to elevate that. Maybe if it was turned up to 10, turn it up to 11 on that point. The memorable moments in both these matches. Kyle O'Reilly kicks Finn Balor so hard he fell out of the ring. He meaning Kyle. Pronouns, pal. Kyle O'Reilly kicked his opponent so hard that he himself fell out of the ring. I think that might be uh, that might be the best way to put it. This match would not end in how I thought it would end. I kind of thought we were just going to get a repeat of the 1916 DDT where Kyle lands on a... Oh, excuse me. Repeat of the coup de grace on the injured liver of Kyle O'Reilly. Same as takeover. The... 1916 DDT and possibly selling it like a face plant Kyle lands on his own jaw for the finish. I thought about midway through the match it was going to end in a new way that way. But Finn Balor getting the chance to end a match with a submission against somebody who is such a talented submission artist like Kyle O'Reilly. Interesting way to do it. I think... Balor able to execute something that adds another weapon in his arsenal that we can look out for as fans is important, as well as the ability to take an opponent's own strategy to them head-on. No matter if it's up brutality a little bit faster or if it's ground and pound and submission. I like that a lot. I think that it was creative. I've personally never seen a Finn Balor match probably end in submission before, especially not in his favor. Sort of Rings of Saturn, uh, Dr. Britt Baker style, if uh, we want to flip the channel a little bit. 
Uh, I thought it was a good ending. I think that the job playing such pivotal storytelling, playing such a role as a pivotal storytelling tool on both sides of the ring, whether it was Finn the first time breaking his jaw or Kyle being injured because Kyle O'Reilly would take to, take to Twitter shortly after the match. He's hurt, but he's not broken in the same way that he was able to break Bauer. Kyle O'Reilly's confidence, the Undisputed Era's confidence as a whole, never uh, never lacking in that realm. The Prince's reign continues in NXT. The Undisputed Era has another attempt at a piece of championship gold post-prophecy gone wrong. What is next? Well, I think that Karrion Cross, former NXT champion, never actually losing the belt, will step up to Finn Bauer next. Uh, by TakeOver, I think the build for that match will start next week or the following week. All a matter of when we see Scarlet step up to Finn Bauer because Scarlet is the star in that act. And I think that the Undisputed Era is head, headed towards success in the first round in the Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup. I do. I think that they're in for some success there in the first round. They think they got momentum back on their side, but they can't carry it all the way through. I think the Undisputed Era falls short of a goal one more time, and 2020 is a uh, is kind of one of those... We've had months like this, but I don't think we've seen a... Uh, I don't think we've seen a streak of disappointment for the Undisputed Era like we're going to be in for. On uh, in 2021, I think Kyle O'Reilly falling short to Finn Bauer is going to start the year, and I think some uh, some really wild is going to end the year. But I think the Dusty Cup is not going to go, not going to go the the boys' way. The first match might, first match they might be able to carry the we beat Fandango, we beat Fandango and Tyler Breeze, very recent NXT Tag Team Champions. We can do this. We can take this tournament home. And then they lose and get shut down by a, by a team like the Grizzled Young Vets or something along the way. That's what I think for the Undisputed Era as a whole. I'm not really going to zero in on each individual person's goals. I think the uh, I think the story here is still going to be told on the wider on the faction wide uh, scale of things. My last segment. I got way too amped up. I covered it already. It's Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup, the women's division announcement. I think that should it take place, the the teams are unannounced at this time. As of recording this, or at least not as I'm aware, stepping up to the mic. Uh, so teams in my eyes are unannounced at this time as far as I know. So my call of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, two big deal single stars, plucked out, Put together as a team and being the tournament favorite winners, you heard that here first. That's going to wrap up episode 119 though, folks. Thank you so much, Team NXT, for joining me here back in 2021 or just starting your journey with me in this new year. Appreciate any subscription you can give me where you're listening. It doesn't matter. I appreciate any and all support. Main source of advertisement on the show is going to be for my SoundCloud account. It's where I host the RSS feed, but I'm available on iTunes if that still exists, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any third party that's plucking my RSS feed. The other, uh, Spotify, I got a double, triple check to make sure that I'm on there. 
um, all the all the big ones, all the hits, all the classics. Anywhere you want to listen to the show, I should uh, I should be there for you. I'm pretty sure if you hit Amazon Alexa and you say Alexa play Undisputed Future podcast, there might be an option or two uh, over there. If it's not and you want to yell at me, please reach out at podcast underscore uf is the Twitter. I'm trying to reach 1,500 followers by the next takeover event, about 26 or so away. Give me a follow there. Um, it's also where I'll do most of my interaction with fans. I'll discuss any and all wrestling, not just NXT. NXT topics, yeah, that's what I'm going to be reaching for, but I watch AEW. I watched AEW on break as I was eating my dinner. I'm Jake Hager versus Wardlow. I watched that Haas fight go down. About to finish the episode as soon as I hit stop and get this get this, uh, get this, this all saved up. So, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, 205 Live, NXT UK, anything that you don't hear me talking about here. NJPW, admittedly a modest fan. If you want to educate me about something, please reach out there as well. Uh, Facebook page is somewhat active now that I don't remember the Instagram login. Follow my Instagram account personally. It's where I'm going to be start doing my podcast advertising for the new year at C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C. C-D. Danny Mac, the C. D. The D is shared between C-D and Danny. It's it's just for the sake of shaving, saving, uh, shaving off a few characters and uh, saving some letters. Pretty sure I've covered everything. The last thing is to thank you guys again for listening. No matter when, where, how, your support for the longest reigning independently produced NXT podcast will never go unappreciated. There is no I in Team NXT. I will talk to you next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Watch more wrestling.